Welcome to the Manuscript Academy podcast, brought to you by a writer and an agent who both believe that education is key. The beauty is the people you meet along the way. And that community makes all the difference. Here at the Manuscript Academy, you can learn the skills, make the connections, and have access to experts all from home. I'm Julie Kingsley. And I'm Jessica Sinsheimer. Put down your pens, pause your word counts, and enjoy. Hey, everybody. We're so happy to be here with Norma Perez-Hernandez. She's an editor at Kensington Publishing Corporation, and she's doing a great event next week. On a personal level, I think she's one of my favorite people in publishing, because as I was saying before we turned on the recorder, she's a real person with real warmth, and I can't wait for her to talk to you guys about your work. Norma has worked on a variety of projects, including fiction, romance, mysteries, thrillers, and nonfiction. A New York City native, Norma studied English literature at Macaulay Honors College at the City College of New York and is a graduate, uh, graduate of the Publishing Certificate Program at City College. She's thrilled to build a list with diverse authors and books. Welcome, Norma. Thank you for having me. So, Norma, how did you get started in publishing and how did you know you wanted to work in publishing? So... I started in publishing. I got my start uh, through the publishing certificate program at City College, as the bio stated. Um, But really, it was a great uh, place for me to learn about publishing, period. I feel like a lot of listeners might relate to this as we're all literary and nerdy. So like if you may have, I don't know, tried to get your bachelor's degree in like English literature at any point in your life, you may have had many uh, doubts <laughs> or questions as to what to actually do with that degree. Yep. So um, what I did, uh, I didn't want to teach. My parents are teachers. I tried the academia route, um, but I had this amazing professor that like taught me uh, one of my English um lit classes, prereqs. And she was just like, she was 26. So now she's even younger than I am now. And she was standing in front of the, uh, for the class and just was just like, and like with like all this like angst in her eyes, she was just like, I'm, you know, doing this program, you know, straight from my bachelor's to get my PhD. Don't do what I did. Take a break (laughs) after, take a break after you graduate, figure it out. And that like stuck with me. And then I tried to like apply for this academia academia like graduate school fellowship but like I never was interested in academia really like I said I was gonna do like 19th century British novels because like there would be a ton of scholarship there so I wouldn't actually have to like research or come up with anything unique like this is really (laughs) this is like the honest truth so I was just like so it just wasn't working out and I wasn't really figuring out like what I wanted to do and through this program I was like oh books like you know you know like many creative industries you just don't think that there's jobs there or that even if they are jobs, that they're not something that are accessible to you. So, uh, and the program, um, who, uh, which was uh, co-founded by uh, Walter Mosley, is meant to uh, bring people of color into publishing, um, hopefully in droves. <laughs> that's fantastic. And you had theater before that, right? Yes, yes, that's right. I was like, doing a theater minor and I was also um, auditioning and becoming a a working actress. And like, if you do Google me, there's credits there too. So that was really cool. So I was doing both. So through the program, you take like four classes and you do, and then then they help you secure an internship. And so I started interning at Kensington my last semester of college. Um, And 
then at the same time, I actually was acting um, and auditioning in New York City for some years. That's so cool. That's so cool. Yeah, it was it was re- it was really cool. And then there was this really crazy period um, as I was I got more serious about my publishing career. I got more serious about like this uh, submissions I was reading and working on and um, helping my supervisor to acquire some amazing books and like help present them at launch. And I was doing all this kind of stuff at, as an intern level, and I was just like, oh, I want to do this like forever now. Um, so I had accepted a full-time position at Kensington and literally, and like, and I, but like just two months or so, like a few weeks or something before they had offered it, I had, I had accepted a role in a off-Broadway uh, children's musical. So like I was doing both oh. at one point. I was, <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah. So that was crazy. But uh, yeah. So now I'm here now and I, now I, now I'm an editor. I love how many publishing people have theater backgrounds. It's it's embarrassing once you really dig under. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm going to sing at Marie's Crisis tomorrow with two people in publishing, so it's a benefit to me. Ah, <laughs> uh, so next time you should include me on an invite. I'm so upset I can't attend. Um, I've been thinking it should be a regular thing for agents who just need to let it out. Okay, yes. <laughs> okay, let me know. Let me know. <laughs> uh, so tell us more about you. What did you? What do you do when you're not working and you're not on stage? Oh gosh. Well now, I mean, I'm retired just to keep that clear. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> uh karaoke queen. No. Um, but <laughs> I do, I do. I do a lot of, do a lot of karaoke. Um, but I think mostly I just stay with my dog at home. That's my main thing. I have a rescue dog. Uh, she's turning seven soon and she's a chihuahua mix mm. and she's love of my life. So that's, Mostly what That's I so do nice. is spend time my with her. My dog was just barking. I was just on mute because my dog was barking so loudly, and I was like, Lulu. <laughs> <laughs> Lulu, no. Lulu, no. Like she's our unofficial mascot. Oh, my God. so she... loud. Yeah. Oh, that awesome. She barks during everything. You will definitely hear her during the live cast. <laughs> I'm looking forward it's to awful. This. What's something you've changed your mind about in your time in the industry? The renaissance or resurgence of rom-coms romantic comedies in romance fiction um when I got my start years and years and years ago when dinosaurs roamed the earth I learned in publishing like like if you got a submission from someone and they referred to their romance novel as a rom-com you knew it was probably not going to be right um and and I and unfortunately I don't even mean right for us I don't think it would have been right for publication period um they like the tones would be off it it would just it would just it would it would be like I don't know like Sophie Kinsella through a through a funhouse mirror it just wouldn't be right um you know like fake stellapstick the the heroine was just too many wacky situations like in like you know the span of like three pages um Mm. and it didn't have like you know hard or fun or the romance. It just was never quite right. So, uh, now, so like now the shift to with the current definition or the currently evolving definition rather of the rom-com is very exciting. It's like, it almost feels like a wild west in some ways. You're still figuring out like Mm -hmm. what's working. What, what, what do the covers mean? Are the covers indicating of heat level? I don't think so, but you know, having that um, maybe initial confusion with quote unquote chick lit trade paperback, like fiction, you know, 
from the aughts. Like, what is it? Um, you know, and then, and then all the other questions that are coming across here, like, are the books in the inside actually funny? Like, ha ha funny. Or is the comedy just referring to like the form, um, you know, happy ending and some contrivances. So anyway, so it's just been really, uh, cool to be a part of that conversation as an editor of romance fiction. You know, that kind of makes me happy. I feel like like in this time period in history where things seem hard sometimes that I'm radiating towards lightness. Like, mm-hmm. yes. <laughs> you know, I don't want to read a book that I know is going to make me cry right now. And so I mean, I'm not a big rom-com reader, but you know what? I might, I might pick something like that up. I think that's just interesting how it kind of mirrors the times we're in. I agree. And that's what like a lot of the pieces, I think I may be quoted in a trade saying something similar because like that's, what the feeling is right now is, um, you know, we need the light. That's, I think that's why like Hallmark movies are like resurging more than ever that net and Netflix and lifetime are just like pumping them out like gangbusters. Um, I think it's just a part of that craving that we're having, um, for happier love stories. And Julie, I'd be happy to send some of my favorites <gasps> oh your my way. Oh my gosh, please. please. <laughs> Cause I'm always trying I to convert that. new romance readers. <laughs> I, I, you know, look at me. I'm like, Oh, I mean, nothing. So we, I got a free pizza today. Uh, you know, I think we told you. And, I'm um, actually really excited. How did this happen? <laughs> if I may ask, <laughs> I mean, I'm sure the listeners would also want to know. Too many pizzas. And so all of a sudden this pizza ended up on my door, but, but like a pizza at my door makes me happy. But like a book at my door is like, Yay. It is Christmas. It's like the best thing ever. Oh, I'd be happy um, to speak that um, internal mailing list I got going. I love doing book Christmas. You know, I love to see almost a, a feminist aspect to a lot yeah. of these works too. You know, like he'll make you happy emotionally on all the levels we've known for a very long time, but now he's going to make you happy as like a modern woman too. And I think that's such an interesting aspect to it. Couldn't agree with you more. I like that is, that is like real. And that's, you know, like the movies, I will say, I mean, I'm not to toot my own horn, but the book is always better. But I am like the stuff that's being explored right now is just like like the the depth and breadth is mind boggling. Um, one of my favorite reads this year, I believe was this year, maybe late last year, um, was Fumbled by Alexa Martin. Um, Berkeley pubbed it and it's, you know, like rom com super cute, second chance romance, like you know, she's the father of, you know, her son that she like, you know, kept secret. Um, and with, within all of that, there's a serious story, uh, a serious, um, subplot of what happens when, um, football players or athletes get too many, um, brain injuries, um, from their sport. So there's that conversation. And actually, um, Jen Reed's romance just wrote a really great article on Kirkus about like how rom-com or like, romance novels in general are like exploring this specific issue more so than like any other form of fiction on the market right now. And so like, yeah, like these are the kind of stories that are like happening in, in rom-coms. You have all this like really fun, fluffy greatness, but then you also have stuff like the kiss quotient, um, Mm, by Helen Hong, like Mm. the, the main heroine having autism, um, or, like I just I really like I have to I'm sorry I have to like go ahead and plug the book I added um the happy ending series by Zoe Casile uh which is talking yes. about um 
male entertainment workers and yes what and <laughs> sorry she uh, sent me a copy it's very enjoyable oh, oh I'm so, so glad fun. you like it <laughs> <laughs> I was kind of giggling during parts of it but yeah very much <laughs> so happy a good giggle oh my <laughs> like gosh, it's giggling so and then funny. it's also like dismantling our ideas of like you know the male gaze female gaze and all of that so but that emotional range is fantastic Yes, yes. Yeah. And it's and you know, and it's been around for a very long time. That's uh, that's another thing too. It it drives me wild when we don't recognize the past. I mean, this is not a new thing in romance for decades, but it's of course I'm gonna talk about the books I know I'm working on right now. Fun. So Norma, tell us an aha moment when things everything came together. Um, you know, it's really tricky. I'm gonna have to like I'm gonna have to do like a longer career retrospective, right? Like when I have like my <laughs> my Brooklyn loft. Right. Um, and I have like my arms. Yeah. And then they like profile my bookshelf, like collection with like the New York times. Like it'll be like a whole thing. They're like doing a photo spread of my house. No, yeah, this is totally real. Um, and then I'll be able to like, Oh yeah, that was the moment. Um, Uh, (laughs) right now. The dream. That is so the dream. If your bookcases are beautiful enough with things that you've worked on that it gets you in a publication, like you've made it. Like I believe that like, like, I mean, yeah, so that's what I'm really about. So I'm really excited for this in my future. And so, but for right now, I think what it is, is that it's just been a, a series of moments or just rather like a lot of, it's been waves. Um, and just, I think it's just been like a continual um, exploration and like forming these uh, relationships with authors and agents and other fellow friends in the industry and getting to be familiarizing myself with the work of my supervisors, uh, reading outside of that, my submissions, editing with books, uh, working with my authors. I think it's just all kind of coalesced in a place that right now I'm like, feel like I have a, I have a really cool toolbox to work with professionally. So yeah. That's awesome. What's something you wish writers knew about things on our side of the desk? So like two prong things. So it's like, you know, I'll do a good, I'll do good cop, bad cop. I'll start with the bad cop first. Oftentimes a lot of writers, it, actually in romance is a little different. In a romance author may have like a bunch of different editors working at different publishing houses. I think in a given moment of time, but like generally speaking, like writer day to day, they have one editor and one agent who they correspond with regularly. And so you may forget on the other hand, there's just one, but for us on the other side, we're, we're constantly working with different authors, different writers, different projects on any given day. So like today I was confirming sales information and cover copy with an author, another author, I was doing a line edit, another author, I was sharing new cover art with another author. I was, uh, updating their, um, marketing information sheet. And that's just, that's all the stuff I can think of off the top of my head. Um, and that's already for people, right? So I just, you know, just as a caution, sometimes it's, you know, a thing of, Oh, why are they not, you know, maybe responding as quickly or they don't seem, I don't think as enthusiastic. And that is just not the case. Um, it's just, we're just, just have different things going on in a different day. And the flip side of that is, yes, I care about my writers so much. And I think sometimes that people may be afraid that agents and editors are always getting ready to 
laugh at how awful their writing is and turn them down and give them bad news and make their day awful. And that is just never the case. I don't have that excitement in my heart, like to be that mean, unfortunately. Um, Every time I open up a submission, I'm getting ready to fall in love with the next great book. Every time, you know, I'm working with my author, it's ultimately to do the best work that we can do and make the best book that we can make. So um, I just remember we're all, we're in love. I, I mean, it's always, I'm kind of blown away by just the giving wonderful nature of, of our community, but just like hearing how you verbalize it, Norma, and how you kind of pull down to that very essence of like what it means to do what you're doing. Because as you were, as you were talking, I was like, I, I kept seeing like this, coffee cup on your desk that like was getting bigger and bigger and bigger the more you talked about what you were trying to do and I was just like because I mean because it's a lot and and I think that people sometimes you know they simplify these processes and and you know they just don't realize just how much effort it takes and and like there's like a massive amount of energy you're putting into, but, but, but your core of why you're doing it is so pure. I just appreciate it. So thank you. Thank you. (laughs) Really, really really nice. It was like, Oh, oh." (laughs) um, so, I mean, if we were going to go on to that, like, so say like you pivoted totally different. So into Google, Google level funding, and you had the ability and encouragement to spend 20% of your time making something. It doesn't have to be a physical product. It can be a program or a digital thing. What would you make? I mean, so like you spent all of your time, just kind of going back to this, all your time kind of like in a pre-described kind of funnel. So if you could pivot that to something else, what would it be? So like there's like the actor's fund, right? Oh, I, oh wow. It really is always time back to theater. So there's the actor's fund. And it's something where like working <laughs> actors can get um, health screenings. Um, if they really need it, There, there's even like um, gift bags like with like, soap and socks and grooming necessities if times are really hard. Um, and there's even housing available. So if I could do something like that specifically for, um, marginalized and like low income publishing professionals, I think that'd be really cool. Um, it could be like something diverse books or something. And then like, you know, so then you're connecting with like the interns. Cause usually the, the part that's the hardest is like, you know, first they can't even get the internship because they're not here. And B, they don't have, you know, money to pay, you know, to like live. And then C, they get through all that. And then it's like, okay, posting the Facebook, is anyone ha- can be my roommate? You know, so like, what if yeah. for those first X amount of years of your career, you had a place to live and it was subsidized? Yeah. Um, and then on top of that, it's not just a place to live. There's counseling, there's, you know, access to like health services, stuff like that. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's like a whole like thing. Yeah. That'd be cool. That'd be amazing. And all of those things for those who are out there and have not started trying to work in publishing in New York city, all of those are things that are really hard to find. You go on Craigslist and you look for deals for like days and a lot of it doesn't make sense. And a lot of it is a scam. And then, you know, if you do live somewhere, there's going to be something wrong with it. I mean, maybe my mom is FaceTiming me. Wait, wait, get her back. Norma's mom. What should I do? That is not a can of words you want to open. She'd do it. So cute. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I want to know what she thinks. 
mom. Never been done before on the Marriage of the Academy podcast. I am so we happy. Are, Watch what happens. Recorded and then edited live. <laughs> oh, I thought you were calling her right now. No. Sorry. Oh. oh. <laughs> we were just so curious about what she would say about publishing. That we... <laughs> I thought no, you were you can, Jessica, if you are interested, you can meet my mom. Like she is local. Yeah, I would love to meet your mom. I love to meet your mom. So um just going back to what Norma was saying, this is all incredibly important and hard to do on your own when you're starting out in the industry. It's sketchy to find apartments, it's really difficult, everything's really expensive. You end up with doctors who like think antibiotics are the only thing that they can possibly offer you. Like all kinds of tough stuff happens and I think if you made it so that, um, cause I, I don't think you should have to be able to afford to live in New York to work in publishing. Yeah. I don't think that's a fair I agree. And you know, I always think oftentimes when I'm mentoring, um, prospective people that are interested in a career in publishing or talking to college students, one of the things that breaks my heart, if they aren't local to New York city is to admit that the privilege that I have is that I'm from here and that I lived with my family rent-free for several years after graduating from college. So I think that's just something that like it breaks my heart when even I, with all of like my marginalizations and all the things that, you know, all the struggles I had to get here, like I still have something that I can't fix or can't even provide any useful tips or help. Um, But you guys, you know, the fact that we're even having this conversation, I mean, I feel like we've had, we've, had lots of funding ideas, you know, on this podcast where we've talked about this, but, but I mean, I feel like this is taking it even a step further. And I do think like we are putting this in the universe and, you know, and I think when you're putting that idea out there in the universe, like maybe it's us that can do it down the road, um, you know, with the manuscript Academy and, and somehow using parts of that money or, or maybe it's, you know, actual investors coming in and saying, yes, this is needed. Or maybe it's publishing houses saying we're going to each donate, you know, this X amount of money. Um, you know, or they co-purchase if they co-purchase a building, like if imagine being in like a penguin door situation, I'd move like now. Oh my gosh. But what's a better investment than New York city real estate. And they have Mm -hmm, the capital mm -hmm. to buy it. This is like radical stuff, but like, I don't know. It just, I just, wow. Like I think I'm thinking about it. Like I'm really thinking about it and it's just like making my head explode in the best possible way. Um, but like it financially makes sense and mm-hmm, morally mm-hmm, makes sense. Exactly. All right. So this goes in the list. It goes in the list of cool things we could do. Um, if you're <laughs> so like out after there, venture capital, we do the following. <laughs> uh, if you, folks out there, if you're listening and you want to give us a couple million dollars, we will do this. Or so, if you want an investment that will make you money and do right in the world, you know. Yeah. You know how to, you know where to find us. <laughs> you know where to find Manhattan real estate agents. Come on. <laughs> um, tell us a story of a really fun day or night you've had in New York City. Um, I can tell you the story um, of how I um, auditioned for Freedom Writers um, because this is less, this is more interesting. I mean, any old film audition isn't. I watched it last okay, week. Okay. So it's going to have like, yeah. you're going to like know all the references because like otherwise the story is just dated us all get out. Um, so once, uh, once upon a time in a galaxy far, far away, I was 16 years old and I was heavily writing poetry as one does. And I'd been doing, um, poetry workshops at my local library, um, 
shout out to the Kingsbridge branch, um, in the New York public library system. And at, there was a certain point where like, I guess my poetry was like, quote unquote, good enough that my teacher, um, Corey Finer, now I'm going to have to tell her about this podcast so she can listen to it. Um, she had, I'd, I'd written, yes, um, a, a, a poem and it like had like, you know, the rain, like whatever. And she, at, at the end of it was like, Norma, I think you're ready to slam. And I was like, oh, I can slam. Wow. So I, before I was going to go into the precious step of slamming, which I ended up never doing, I went to an open mic at the Murican Poetry Cafe in the East Village. Um, and for those of you who um, don't know, it's, yeah, it's, it's like awesome. a fantastic um, spot and it has a long, you know, storied legacy. Um, you know, amazing poets like Pedro Pietri and everybody and me um who was there like who to present my little poem about you know I think I had done like like it's just like it's just like stereotypical like spoken word like about my identity (laughs) as a as a Puerto Rican (laughs) girl who sounds white you know it was one of those kind of poems um and I did it and um I you know did my thing did my piece left And when I came out of the theater, there was this young white woman in probably in her twenties and she was just, and she was asking me, Oh, like, Oh, so you're a poet, you're a writer. Um, do you want to like, like be in a movie? And of course, like the first thing I'm thinking is this is sketchy as all hell. Like, I don't want to talk to this lady. (laughs) (laughs) Like, uh, I want to be in a movie. And, um, and I was like, okay. And then she gave me a flyer and then she said, call this number. It's for this new movie uh, called Freedom Writers. And we want to get like real teen writers to audition, I guess. Yeah. So I took the flyer and then my best friend who came to see the show, he was a white boy and he'd ask, can I get a flyer? And he was like, she was like, no. And so I read the flyer (laughs) (laughs) and it was because they were looking for two characters um a young black man and a young latina female and the role was for like a girl named maria and i was already like rolling my eyes like wow could you get more creative than that and like you know she's like her boyfriend's in a gang i think she has issues with her mom and i was like okay um well, yeah, it was like was it was jail. like one of those stories, and these are all based on true stories. So I don't want to be yeah. like you know, to, like you know, the real because it's like a really amazing story. It's just one of those things that, like, to a teenage girl from the Bronx who is kind of over quote unquote stereotypes, I was like, "What is this?" You know, I didn't know anything about the Freedom Riders at the time. So, but I quickly did. I found out because then I googled, and when I googled, there was like I think IMDb was like brand new and fresh. It was new to me at the time, and then I click on the movie and I find out more and I see the movie there and then listed at the top billing was Hillary Swank. And I was like, Holy crap, this is real. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. (laughs) Hillary Swank. (laughs) So I like called the number. I set up an audition and then my dad takes me like to some place that I've never even been to since like after being an actor, like for real, for real, I've never seen this place before somewhere in Chelsea and we went into like this big law studio and I like filled out a form, whatever. And I did the audition and I was terrible, like terrible. I did the whole, like it's the, it was like basically the antithesis of my poem, not knowing my identity. So in order to play this role, I would have to then put on an accent that isn't, you know, mine. 
right? Mm-hmm. So I was very uncomfortable yeah. with that. And and so I, you know, the audition was a bomb. Yeah. And then, so the spoiler alert, the actress that you did see in the film, and it was crazy when I finally did see the movie, um, I actually, my sides, my audition sides were like dialogue from the film. So when I had seen the film, like soon after, I was like, oh. whoa. I remember saying that, like on film, how weird, because it's a real movie. And then, um, and then it turned out that actress um, went to my high school. So then I got all like bitter, <laughs> like when they, yeah, when they yeah. put a whole bulletin board about her. I'm like, look, I was like, I understand oh, Rita Miners too, but she was like a real like actress in LA, like working. It was really, yeah. So that's like my New York story, because <laughs> wow. only that could happen in New that's York amazing. or LA, I guess. That's like, you know what? You know what's funny? I bet you're a really good actress, but like, I'm not. Yeah, that, that that's part. not the one for me. I don't think so either. Like, believe me. <laughs> I'm like, you know, because I, like, like I said, I started two weeks ago and um, my son loved it. But I'm like, it's like you're just way, like, and maybe you can get dark, but you're just way too light for that. Yeah, you know, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't get into that, that, that grittiness. Um, so, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. That's really interesting. What's um, your number one tip? Number one writers? tip. Okay, so I don't know. This is the one that I always like talk about. I don't know if it's like the number one. I'm I'm sure the major like what's more important than all this stuff is all of your years of like learning craft <laughs> and how to be a good writer <laughs> and how to deal with reject- rejection and how to uh, deal with revisions and and yeah, and all that stuff. But once you do all that stuff, if you could just paginate your documents, that'd be awesome. That's it. That's my tip. Please, please add page numbers. (laughs) Um, I've definitely seen people print 400 pages. And that's been me many times. And then what sucks is you printed them already. So you don't want to reprint and kill even more trees because technically you should be doing all your work and track changes anyway. So yeah, please don't put your editor through mm. that. Just just paginate it. So we're going to be doing a first paragraph panel on October 23rd at 8.30 p.m. I'm sure you can hear how awesome Norma is and how much feedback she'll have for you and that she's nice. She's not here to tear you apart, as she said before. Norma, what are some things uh, the ideal writer would do in a first oh, paragraph? That is such a good question for real, Jessica. I think... Honestly, because I do, I am a big fan and this is a taste thing for me, but if you could just in a few quick bursts of sentences, just like capture me with a sense of place or something really weird and quirky and interesting or, 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 or dangerous or sexy or whatever it is in that first line of dialogue or whatever, um, I, that would be superb. Yeah, I think that's good, too, because you don't want people running yeah. out of breath when they exactly. are reading them out loud. <laughs> Hint to everyone, since we'll be reading them out loud, and you will hear us run out of breath yeah. if the yeah, sentence is not, too long. We're not, we're not freestyle rappers, so... <laughs> yes, for the sake of, of us reading in front of you, please try to make the sentence. It's not horribly wrong, because you'll see what will happen, but we'll be nice about it. I mean, I can never see Norma being like, that's too long, Of stop course it. not. No, um, you never and this say is, that. And this is going to be... Um, an educational piece. This isn't, this isn't your final reading at the bookstore surrounded by your critics and such. This is, this is among people who are just working together. So yeah, I'm looking really, really looking forward to this. Yeah. It's like you're reading for your friends and getting their reactions and then you can continue on feeling good about it. I I hope hope so too. I think so. I think so. 
No, this is going to be really good. You're going to really, you're really going to help people. Um, and I think, I think you're going to make it, um, I think you're going to make it clear that there's a real person on the other end of the submission line. And we just had a submission come right in and someone said, thanks for the work. I'm a huge, I'm a huge fan of the podcast. Oh, a podcast note while we're recording the podcast. Yes. You need direct (laughs) feedback as you're working on the thing. That is it. Yes. That's wonderful. Feedback can make all the difference. I mean, sometimes you're doing no. something and you have no, no idea. Totally. Thank you, oh. Norma. <laughs> yeah, Norma, thank, thank you so you much for doing this. Thank you so much for having me. Really, I'm, I'm, I'm really happy to be a part of the community. <laughs> all of our live events are laid back, fun, directly from home. And so we're just really hoping to see all of you there. It is um, free for members and it's $9.95 for everyone else. And we look forward to seeing you there. We are so glad that you joined us. And as always, we appreciate your feedback. Just head on over to the iTunes store and let us know what you think. It not only helps us make this podcast be the best it can be, but it also affects our ratings within the iTunes platform. We'd love to hear from you. If you're feeling brave and want to submit your page for our first pages podcast, you can send it to academy at manuscriptwishlist.com with first pages podcast in the subject line. We'd also just love to hear from you. And if you'd like to learn more about the Manuscript Academy and everything we have to offer, just jump on over to manuscriptacademy.com.